Hello guys and welcome to the Alternative Movement Podcast where we talk everything adaptive training. My name's Craig, your host, and today we are joined all the way from America on our Zoom call, Amanda Simmons. How are you doing, Amanda? I'm doing great, thanks. Doing great. Thank you so much for joining me today. <laughs> thanks for having me. Appreciate Not it. No problem at all. Cool. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I came across, the, well, you actually added me on Instagram um, and mm-hmm. I uh, watched on your Instagram and I saw a video you put up one of your first videos and it really sort of uh, resonated with me and it made me want to reach out to you and tell you what you was doing was amazing and uh, obviously it's led to this it's led to us having a conversation and you're going to tell us a bit about hopefully about your story and what's going on <laughs> so yeah so um, Amanda obviously I know um, why I've got you on here would you like to maybe go for a bit of your backstory and and tell everyone else what we're uh, going to be talking about today sure yeah so um in 2018, um, I was diagnosed with something called spinocerebellar ataxia type six. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's a it's a genetic disease that I inherited from my dad. Um, and my my dad actually, uh, when he was diagnosed, his uh, neurologist basically told him, you know, there's there's nothing you can do about this. It is a uh, slow progression. He was, you know, about 70 when he got diagnosed. And basically they said, you know, if you have kids, which I'm, I'm the youngest of five. Um, if you have kids, they all have a 50, 50, 50 chance of inheriting this disease. But, you know, since it showed up so late in you um, and, you know, your symptoms aren't that bad, I wouldn't really worry about it for your kids, which um, was really bad information. Um, and my parents kind of, they told us, but we didn't, um, you know, it didn't really sink in. They were kind of like, uh, it's, it's really not a big deal. If you guys have it, it won't even show up until you're really old and, it, you know, it's not going to be a problem and blah, blah, blah. And um, at the time, I you know, I looked into it a little bit, but there wasn't really much online that I could find um, that, you know, it's considered a rare disease. So, Hmm. um, uh, and there has not been very much research on it. So basically what I found online backed up my parents, um, what my parents were saying. So I kind of like uh, put it aside and went on with, with my life and you know, I had my, my, um, personal training studio and I was, you know, um, just kind of doing my thing and didn't really think about it much. Um, and, you know, over the years watching my, my dad's, um, symptoms progress, um, and, you know, continuing to kind of like check in and see if there was any new information online, um, basically, uh, I started to notice, I started to notice things. This, this is, this is where it gets a little bit hard. Um, when people ask, like, when did you notice, um, the more I learn and the more that my symptoms progress, the more I make connections back to even when I was much younger. So it's, it's obviously um, been quite a slow sort of progression maybe you've not noticed it in yourself because it's been so slow and you didn't really know what you was looking for 
Yeah, a little, there's a little bit of that. And there's a little bit of, you know, the lack of information that's out there, um, which, uh, you know, it's, um, it's, it is, it is nice to have, um, you know, groups where there are people who are sharing their stories, which is, you know, that's kind of like my motivation of doing any of the videos that I've done is to try and make those connections with people just because, mm. um, you know, uh, health, health professionals are, are oftentimes, unless they are, they specialize in something, they know very basic versions of, mm. you know, Lots what's surface happening. level information. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, when I started noticing, uh, my symptoms, um, which were really, really, it was, I mean, it's really interesting because my, my dad, you know, he, um, he uh, is into archery and he was on a, um, he was out on an archery range and he just fell, you know, uh, out of nowhere. He's just walking along and just fell down mm-hmm. and was like, that's kind of weird. Um, and his, his symptoms were all really basically we were told, you know, if you start getting dizzy, if you start having balance issues, if you start having speech issues, um, you know, pay attention to that. And that wasn't, that wasn't what I first started experiencing. So, um, I was actually quite surprised when, uh, I got tested and it came back positive for, uh, SCA six. So, um, I, I don't know if that, really kind of like answers the the backstory on <laughs> you know um my my brain is a little bit uh random so mm-hmm. <laughs> you know uh, i usually go the roundabout uh way of explaining things or telling stories <laughs> which now i understand i've always been that way and now i understand is probably just part of the package you know yeah so so is that is that part of um <laughs> of the attacks here is it where you're just the, the thought process where you're quite random okay. yeah yeah it's um there's a bunch of there are a bunch of things that are very interesting because at first they said this is just a balance uh speech mm-hmm. movement fine motor skills you mm-hmm. know that it was lumped into a movement disorder and then um and that's how it's listed in a lot of stuff that if you, you know, if you go online, that's kind of how, how it's listed, but there's actually a, uh, specialist, uh, his name is Dr. Schmalman, Jeremy Schmalman. Um, and he talks a lot about, um, cognitive issues with, uh, spinocerebellar ataxias, um, and, and how, you know, there's a lot more to it and a lot more kind of going on, even down to like digestive issues um, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, um, so yes, uh, my, my thought process and the way that I kind of like <laughs> uh, explain things is, is yeah. a very roundabout, you know, yeah. but now it makes sense. I mean, my, my friends used to uh, make fun of me when I was a kid because um they would say, you know, I was just like, so random and I'd be talking and I'd look over and one of my friends would be going, 
like this <laughs> trying to get your attention because she, well that and she said that i just grab things out of nowhere like oh, okay right <laughs> you know my thoughts are like blah blah you know it's just like yeah so at least it makes sense now okay so so growing up was you very uh, heavily involved in sports you know, I would have been, um, my, my parents wouldn't allow us to, um, play sports or be okay. on any kind of team sport, unfortunately. Um, but I was incredibly active growing up. I mean, we had, um, my brother and I are a little less than two years apart and I, you know, I was his probably, you know, to me as a little kid, we were best friends. I'm sure that he was like, you're so annoying, but <laughs> I followed him everywhere. I did everything that he did. Um, we were really into skateboarding. Uh, at one point we had a unicycle gang where there were like four <laughs> or five of us and we would a unicycle around. gang. That's hardcore. That is, <laughs> you know, I mean, you don't mess with, you don't mess with a unicycle gang. You know? I mean, how, how'd you even start to mess with a unicycle gang? Like they're a league of their own. <laughs> right. I mean, I, uh, yeah, every single day, cause I used to ride my unicycle to school and I would, you know, lock it up. And after school, I would go out and I would <laughs> oh, make that's just the so same. Cool. I just got this image of someone riding to school <laughs> on a unicycle now. With a, with a rat on my shoulder, you know, because I had oh, a, pet a, pet, rat. a pet rat. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was that kid. Yeah, I was totally okay. 100%. I was that kid. But I made the same joke every single day. You know, I'd go out and uh, I would I would say, um, oh, man, someone stole half my bike. <laughs> <laughs> and at first the kids thought it was kind of funny and then they were like oh you're so stupid you know so after you've told but me a yeah few times. <laughs> you know i don't know uh, but um yeah we we had we did skateboards bmx uh i rode motorcycles um oh, surfing good. you know i mean i was born and raised in california so you know so surfing skateboarding package, yeah yeah, that's sort of yeah. lifestyle. Um, I was the. Uh, go on, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say I was the wheelie champ of uh, Redwood City for an entire summer. I oh. I could right I could hold the longest wheel, wheelie on a bicycle. So. Okay, not not on a unicycle because I don't know if that would count, would it? If you could do the longest wheelie. Yeah. On a <laughs> you can't. Because technically, you're kind do... of doing a wheelie the whole way through, or yeah, I'd be very impressed if you could do I... like no wheels on the floor. Oh man! Well, I could do some bunny hops. I was I was pretty good at bunny hopping on the unicycle. Yeah. So you're quite um quite an so, avid runner now, aren't you? So um back back when you were younger, did you do a lot of running as well? Yeah. Um, it's funny because uh, I remember the day I started like really seriously started running. Um, I you know I kind of I was like. I got to a point where, um, you know, I was, I was kind of, I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was hanging out with the bad crowd because some of those people are still my best friends. <laughs> mm -hmm. But at the time, you know, we weren't necessarily taking care of ourselves. I was a teenager and, you know, we were, we were having a little too much fun. And yeah. I, I woke up at one point and was like, you know, <sighs> I do not want to be doing this into my twenties because this is not, it's not a good look, you know? Mm. So, um, 
I put on the sneakers that I had, which were probably like a pair of Adidas Shelto <laughs> sneakers. And I went out for a run and I ended up doing like seven miles. And at the end of it, I was just like, this is my thing. I, I wow. just loved it. Um, and I started running a lot. And then a friend of mine, we were having coffee and, you know, I said, what are you doing tomorrow? And she said, I'm, I'm running that half marathon that I've been training for. And I was like, well, who are you running it with someone? And she said, no. And I was like, well, I'll do it with you. And I hadn't trained for the, that kind of distance. I'd been doing, you know, six, seven miles at a time. Mm -hmm. Um, and I got up the next morning at like four and we went and ran this half marathon. And, you know, from there I did the Honolulu marathon um, and a lot of half marathons around the Bay area. Um, I did the one Honolulu marathon and I was like, I think I like half marathons better because I, I liked, I, that distance just felt really good mm. to me. And I guess um, you could push a little bit harder in yourself, I guess, in, in the shorter, well, I say short, it's quite a long run, but a shorter running compared to a marathon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And you still get, you know, yeah. You still get the pancakes afterwards and all that stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, I, so I, uh, I, I don't mind a bit of running. I do a short amount of running, but um, yeah, sort of generally around about five k's is uh, is my yeah. limit. I find. Yeah. Yeah, but still, still, it's it's an enjoyable experience to to run. Yeah. Well. Yeah. And I think and the community it- the community behind it as well, like especially once you're in, like if you're in a running club or um, you're mm-hmm. friends with runners, you go out running with a group. It's sort of that community feel. Uh, much like most yeah. aspects of fitness really like so if you go into like your your crossfit gyms your strength conditioning mm-hmm. gyms or like your boot camps and uh, as i say running yeah. clubs you build such a strong community of people with that same passion and um yeah yeah it just it drives you and pushes you forward yourself yeah yeah that definitely was uh was a motivating thing for me is just making making those connections in that community and you know, and branching out from there, you know, from um, just doing uh, regular half marathons and stuff like that to really, because I used to live in the Bay Area and the Bay Area has a ton of really, really great trails to run. Mm-hmm. And and I got into trail running, which at the, at the time for me was um, kind of a, I was kind of a loner on that. It was more kind of like a uh, because, you know, anyone um, back, you know, before my symptoms started to progress and stuff, um, I would try and get people to go out on the trails with me and no one would go with me because they were like, what, I can't keep up with you. And there's like, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a different animal. Though. It's, it's a different animal, yeah. like road running um, from, yeah, from going, if you're, if you're yeah. like a road runner going to trail running. It's just it's just unpredictable because you'll have like different inclines and yep. yeah it's just learning yeah. learning to pacing learning how to pace yourself is very very differently I'd say so that's probably why you yeah. got a lot of resistance in people wanting to go with you yeah yeah they yeah. were not they weren't down for it at all so <laughs> so is that how so you said you owned a PT studio yes yeah, yeah. so is, I, is that how um, you fell into that like from the running you you built up the passion for fitness and um yeah tell me a little bit about that yeah, basically, um, I, let's see, I, I was working, I was actually selling um, decorative medals for a company in Oakland. 
as a um, you know sales sales executive uh, salary benefits all that stuff and I was sitting at a desk um, you know some ten hours a day and I was just miserable absolutely miserable um, and I had been kind of like training friends for burritos, you know, like come to the gym with me, buy me a burrito, you know? Um, it's not a bad, it's and, not a bad price. <laughs> especially in the Bay area. We got some good burritos in the Bay area. Okay. So um, that was kind of how it started. And somebody had said, you know, you, you should think about doing this, you know, as, as a, your career. Um, and you know, I, I did, I did think about it for a while and I was like, you know, I don't want to be, I, I'm not, um, I didn't really fit into like the, um, the regular gym environment back in, you know, cause this was 2007. Mm. Um, and I was like, it, every gym that I belonged to, you know, the trainers were, were not like me. They were like, uh, it was more about, you know, the, the vanity training and, mm -hmm. um, competing in, um, physique, you know, competitions and, and stuff like that. And I was like showing up in Converse and, <laughs> you know, I didn't have a ponytail. Um, and I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, and I didn't really want to work at a, at a um, gym where I was just fed clients. Mm -hmm. I wanted my own space. And that that's the other thing that now I understand. Um, I am also, uh, I get really distracted by crowds of people and noises um, and um, like groups. Cause uh, you know, I, I was like, I don't want to be a, I don't want to be a group instructor. And I don't know that I could actually focus enough in a gym to train people. So I would have to have my own space where I'm training one-on-one -on -one with clients. Mm -hmm. um, and basically I came to the decision, you know, sitting at this desk that I had to, I had to make a change. So um, I got certified with NASM mm -hmm. Um and I had one client and I quit my job. Wow. You was committed. Yeah. I was, <laughs> I was like, it's now or never. I've got I one. That's it. I'm going to do it. Yeah. I right. I was like, okay. <laughs> but I think that's fantastic. You know, then, I think sometimes you need that urgency um, mm -hmm. in order to grow your career. Because if you was comfortable, you're still getting your salary every month. Um, you're not going to be as driven. Whereas, right. Okay. Right. I've not got a job. I'm now a personal trainer. I've got one client. I've got two choices. Either I'm going to end up homeless or I'm going to, I'm going to make this work. <laughs> and I think in your case, uh, you made it work. Yeah. 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 I, yeah, I did. And, you know, I mean, my second client was my first client's mm -hmm. wife. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then, you know, it was all word of mouth and I didn't have to, um, I didn't have to do advertising or marketing or anything like that. I think I was it was a little actually... bit different back then as well, because it's not even going back that far, really. But yeah. um, I guess like social media and all that sort of stuff wasn't as, even though it was a thing, yeah. it, was, it wasn't like it is today. Like obviously we're having this conversation now through Inst because of Instagram. So it's just, exactly. uh, yeah, 
them connections was more word of mouth. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And so my, you know, my business just kind of grew from there and um, I would get up every single day at 4 a.m. and train nine clients back to back. And, uh, you know, I would, I would start my workouts with a two mile run and then I would work out for, you know, at least an hour, maybe two hours, and then end my workout with another two mile run. And that was like six days a week. Um, and you know, I, I, I had, uh, what seemed like endless amounts of energy and my recovery was really fast. And then, you know, obviously as the SCA stuff started to progress, I noticed, you know, it was hard. It was harder for me to get up and meet demands of, Mm. um, being with clients and, you know, my workouts and stuff like that, um, started to kind of taper back because I just couldn't recover as quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just didn't have the energy. So, um, but I did that. I did that for 12 years. That was my, my business was, um, was 12 years and, you know, I, I, I was really, really happy doing what I was, what I was doing, um, and, and helping people. And, you know, it's interesting because my, my, um, style of training kind of, I would get a lot of clients who, um, had some type of movement issues and compensations, okay. which is why, you know, which is why I, um, you know, with, with NASM, I, you know, I did their CES and their PES and their, and then I became one of their master trainers, which took me about, I think it was eight years to do, to get everything, um, in, in order to become a master trainer. Um, and my business turned, turned more towards all the functional movement and all, you know, my, one of my oldest, um, well, long-term clients ended up, um, being diagnosed with Parkinson's. So I did a lot of work to kind of like figure out how to transition our training, um, Mm. and adapt to, you know, the demands of, um, of that for her. So that's crazy. um, Hey, you've, you've almost, you, as you just said, you was attracting them clients even before your diagnosis. Um, mm -hmm. almost like you understood, your your niche and who you who it was you was meant to be working with and right. it wasn't the sort of like the, the the gym bunnies or you know as you said like the vanity <laughs> the vanity folks yeah. within the gym that's, that's amazing yeah. that's really interesting yeah so um it it was and that was when um uh, when things started transitioning in that direction was when I felt the most um fulfilled in my work mm-hmm. being able to see somebody who you know was struggling to get up, you know, from the toilet, something very, very, you know, basic that most people take for granted. Um, and because of the things that we did, you know, they're able to, to go to the bathroom unassisted or, you know, like I'm sure the work that you do, you, you see that and, and the feeling, absolutely. Yeah. The feeling that you get knowing that, you know, you're not just, um, you're not just helping people look better. You're helping people feel and move better. To me, that was, that was like the, the height of 
my work and the happiest I, I was. Yeah, I mean, even though like being a personal trainer and working with, you know, general population is very mm-hmm. rewarding in itself. Um, mm-hmm. def- definitely, as you just said, like the work I do, it's it's almost got that other element to it. And it's like you, you yeah. are really, really making a difference to someone's life when, as you said, it's like silly things like getting up off the floor or um, getting up out of a chair and you've just, you know, flipped that person's world around. And uh, yeah, yeah. So some of the guys I work with, it's it's easy to become complacent if you've got a if if you're in a wheelchair like full time, or mm-hmm. you if you can get around with crutches to to just stay in the chair and use that for the majority. And you know, like for you or I, if we was to you know take a few weeks off or sit down for a few weeks and not train, we'd probably be fine. But for these guys, um, it would be a lot uh, a lot difficult to build that strength back yeah. up, and they they would lose it a lot quicker. Um, so 100%, yeah, I completely agree with you. It's super rewarding. Yeah. So you've done that for 12 years. Um, how long ago yeah. did you, did, have you still got your studio? Have you, has your studio gone? No, my studio's gone um, in March of 2020, you know, with the shutdown and everything. Oh. Um, yeah, I, I uh, closed, I closed my business um, and I sold, all my equipment basically. Um, and yeah, that was, I was moving towards kind of, uh, the idea of retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, because like I said, it was getting harder and harder for me to maintain a schedule because with my symptoms, like you're, you know, um, m- most people, you know, they assume that, um, that, uh, I don't have any, any struggles or issues if they just, you know, if you just have a quick conversation with me or, you know, you pass me on the street, you may, you probably have no idea how hard I'm working just to walk up the street, Mm. uh, or how, um, how much energy it takes, uh, just to, you know, communicate, um, thoughts and feelings sometimes. Because um, that was one of the things I saw one of your videos and, and I think that you explained it quite well. Um, you was talking about, um, imagine if you was drunk. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, tell me tell me a little bit about that because I thought that was quite an hmm. interesting way to explain it. Well, because it's, um, because uh, spinocerebellar ataxia, you know, it affects the, the spinal cord and it affects the um, cerebellum and the cerebellum, you know, is the ruler of, of all things balance related and Mm. speech. Um, You know, when you drink alcohol, the first thing that's affected is actually your cerebellum. Um, And that's why uh, your speech is affected and your balance is affected um, cause the cerebellum has to process the alcohol and, and that's where that like drunk kind of feeling comes mm-hmm. from. Um, for me, if I'm just, if I'm just sitting, um, still for the most part, um, I don't, I don't necessarily feel that kind of like drunk feeling like things aren't like, I mean, my eyes my eyes move side to side all the time. So there's, there's like glitches that happen. Um, is it like a, is it like a shudder sort of thing or is it like a slow 
movement it's side a to quick, side. It's really rapid. Um, and that was actually one of the very first things that I noticed is that um, whenever I was trying to write um, anything, uh, my eyes just started uncontrollably shifting side to side. Um, and I thought, you know, I must just be tired. That's strange. You know, that had never happened to me before. I'd never had something that was happening to my body that I couldn't control. Hmm. If that makes sense. Like, yeah. um, there was no, and you know, and now there's a, you know, I have cervical dystonia. So, you know, my head jerks around and, um, there are a lot of things um, that uh, that I have a very hard time controlling, um, but of course I lost my train of thought because that's what happens. <laughs> like, where, was, where was I going with that? I don't even know. That's fine. That's fine. Because oh, one of the things you said was when, um, like, when you're drunk and you're trying to talk, and uh, you said yeah. about uh, it was like. Actually, I, I had a couple of drinks the other night, so uh, I definitely I remember what you're <laughs> talking about. So it's like you're trying yeah. to explain. You're trying to explain to someone something, and you really have to think about the words you're saying, um, rather than yeah. like when you can just naturally just you know spill yeah. spill words out. Yeah. Um, so it's quite interesting how it, how it affects your speech in that way. And yeah. uh, as you said, like well, you're, you're walking down the road, and people are thinking, "Oh, sh- having a normal day, yeah. absolutely fine." But you're like inside, yeah. you're like trying to hold everything together. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Well, and that's, and, um, you know, the grocery store has been like a really eye-opening and somewhat frustrating place for me because I do have a hard time with noisy places, uh, bright lights, you know, uh, lots of people moving around me makes things a lot harder for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And decision-making in those environments for me is much more challenging. So um, I've had a lot of people, unfortunately, you know, I'll be standing in the produce section trying to figure out like, what do I need? And I may be taking too long, you know, and people do that, like, you know, like, the, <laughs> like, like, what are you, come on, like, what are you doing? You're just standing there staring at the, you know, bell peppers what's your problem um you know and that's that is um that's something that I kind of didn't really realize how kind of uh um uh I don't want to use the word cruel but you know humans just like it's like we don't stop and think like no it's more than than cruel yeah because we don't understand what people are going through and you know, exactly. uh, for you, you're probably just, you're just there looking at the peppers and you've zoned out for a few seconds. And, and to you, it's like, yeah, it is a few seconds, but to them, it's like, yeah. come on, what yeah. are you doing? Hurry up, move on. We've got, we've got places to yeah. be. And, uh, you know, yeah. And it must be quite, um, I guess, frustrating for yourself. I can imagine. But at the same time, yeah. it's like, you can't, you, you can't blame someone, I guess, for being that way and being, I don't know. Yeah, it's a yeah. tough one, isn't it? It's a tough one because it yeah, is. You, you, you want to be mad. Like if if you knew what was going on, <laughs> you wouldn't be saying this. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Well, hmm. 
you know, and it's like, it's exhausting because you can't have a conversation with every single person that mm. is irritated with yeah. you. And, you know, it's like, <laughs> have you got 20 um, minutes? Let me just explain to you exactly why that's <laughs> taken me an extra five seconds to pick up a bell pepper. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And you shouldn't have to explain yourself. And that's the thing. I think that's the thing you should remember. You shouldn't have to explain yourself. You know? Yeah. Well, Taking our up. society, you know, it's like, um, you know, unless you're in a wheelchair, they think you shouldn't be in, you know, the, you know, special parking spaces at the grocery store. They don't, yeah. you know, it's like you, it's almost like you have to prove that, you know, you deserve that <laughs> advantage yeah. or whatever they want to think it is, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, I, we just need to, as a society, obviously, we just need to be much more compassionate than we are. <laughs> yeah, just be a little bit more patient. I think we live in a lot of, a world where it's very rush, rush, and everyone's got mm -hmm. places to go. And because it is, it, everything's at a tap of a button. You want something, you, you you order it from Amazon the next day. I'm I'm sometimes yeah. annoyed that it doesn't come that next day. I'm like, wow, what's happened? <laughs> what's happened? I haven't got my my product immediately. Whereas like yeah. going back 10 years ago, you'd have to wait a week and that wouldn't be a yeah. problem. And it is the case you want food, you press a button, you get your food there and then. And uh, yeah, I think we've yep. lost that patience as a society. And I think definitely do, doing this job, I do, that's, that's increased my patience tenfold. And I'd imagine, especially for yourself yeah. working with others, like um, with uh, like motor skill problems, you're uh, you probably found your mm -hmm. patience have come on like leaps and bounds. Yep. But, um, yeah. Yeah. That, I found that, that I, I, no, go on, sorry. Oh, I just I found that I have um, a lot more a lot more patience than I you know ever really realized before mm. for for things like that um, and a lot less patience you know with with my clients over the years I would you know it's like uh, the hyper focus on you know. Um, getting a six pack or whatever, you know, I, I just didn't um, have the patience for that. <laughs> you know, I was like, don't, no, don't care. You know, no, that's, that's no fun getting a six pack. <laughs> I mean, you have you to know, live so strict. You, you, oh, it's ridiculous. Well, and yeah. And that was the thing I kind of like, I realized like I, yeah, I just didn't have, I did not have any desire to, to work on that aspect. Mm. Yeah, you know. I'll, I'll say this one for me. I've never been a physique um, yeah. a trainer. I've never wanted to train anyone for physique. It's just, uh, it's not fun. So predominantly a lot of my no. training, obviously other than the work I do with um, people with disabilities, I do uh, a lot of strength and conditioning as well. And I run mm -hmm. boot camps and, and stuff like that. And it's it's not so much, it's, it's, it's about lifting weights. It's about lifting weights, running around, yeah. having fun and enjoying it. And I think as soon as you start to, you know, put that, right, you've got to track your calories down to the gram, you've got to do this, it just becomes... A little bit tedious, a little bit boring. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. You can't have fun with it. I like to pick out. I like to have a eat fast food from time to time. I like to eat, like tonight. In fact, Friday night is burger night, so um, I'm going to eat like three or four burgers and <laughs> everything that goes with it. <laughs> so, and then that's the thing people see on my social media. I eat a lot of junk. Well, I don't eat a lot of junk food, but I'll have them them days where I'll just uh, I'll pick out and like, how do you stay in shape? You eat all this crap food all the time. I'm like, that's that's the ten percent. Like the ninety percent, I'm I'm yeah. I'm, pretty, I'm pretty good, but that's the ten percent. I just like to put that yeah. up to wind you wind you guys up, so you see and think, how does he do this? Stay in shape and eat all that food. <laughs> <laughs> so so for yourself, um, in regards to sort of like your training, how have you adapted your own training? So um, 
have you obviously said you do a lot of trail running so have you done any have you, have you just changed your routes and do you have someone run with you uh do you do you use a treadmill instead like on potentially days mm. you're not feeling as great yeah um well i the let's see two years ago um i had two back-to-back um falls on my trail runs um and my when I was first, so when I was first diagnosed, you know, um, I uh, met with a um, neurologist who specializes in what they consider movement disorders. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he said, you know, I want you to keep running until you start falling down and then we're going to reassess from there, which I was like, I've never, I had never, ever in all of my years and all the crazy runs that I ever did. And, you know, uh, I used to race, uh, bikes as well. I used to do road, road racing. Um, that was in like early two thousands. Um, and you know, never had a crash. Uh, so when he said, when you start falling down and reassess, I kind of was like, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to happen. (laughs) And then, you know, um, I was out for a run and, and I fell and I was like, that was, that was weird. The first fall, um, I actually thought I broke my left collarbone and I had to get a ton of x-rays and stuff. And it just, it was just, you know, some muscle strain and stuff like that. And then I contacted my neurologist and he said, you know what? I don't want, I do not want you giving up. So get back out on the trail um, and keep, just keep running. And, uh, 10 days after the first run, uh, the first fall, I fell again. And that second fall was pretty bad. Um, I ended up with a frozen shoulder that uh, two years later is just now starting to get range of motion back. Um, so I, I haven't been trail running. So I, I, um, am only running on flat, basically paved surfaces. Um, I would love to try trail running again, but I would have to find somebody to, to go out with me. Mm. Um, and you know, my wife says that she's like, she wants to go out with me, but she hates exercise. (laughs) Like she hates, hates exercise. (laughs) Yeah. She's like, uh, you know, um, so if I can get her on board, you know, yeah, I would, I would hit the trails again. Um, I did get some walking sticks. So if I'm having a really, really rough day, uh, or if I'm feeling really unsteady, um, when I go out, typically my run will turn into more of a walk and I'll have my walking sticks. Mm. Like a Nordic walk or a power um, walk sort of thing. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. So, um, uh, in 2018, when I was diagnosed, um, because of, you know, my, my eye movements and, and stuff like that, um, my neurologist told me no more cycling. So Mm -hmm. I had to give up, uh, cycling. Um, and you know, it's interesting because I have been riding bikes since I, when I was five, my, um, my dad, we were at, my parents loved garage sales, which is like in the United States of America is like, you know, 
garbage sales basically people are like <laughs> i have all this garbage and i don't we, want we, it we have a Let's... similar thing in england called our boot sales so you, but you don't okay. do that your garage you'll go to like a field and open your boot and then have like a table and lay all your rubbish <laughs> you're like i don't want this yeah. junk do you want it but I've, I've found some awesome stuff on boot sales i'm i'm terrible i'm the sort of person that walk past a skip and go well i wonder if that bit of wood would fit i don't know this project I'm yeah doing. <laughs> That's my, that was my parents and my dad, you know, we were, I was five and we were at a, at a garage sale and there was this little blue Schwinn bicycle. And, you know, my dad said, if you can ride at home, you can have it. And basically because I was the youngest of five and he had already taught four kids how to ride bikes. He was like, I'm done. Like you are on your own. <laughs> if you, you want to ride bikes, you figure it out. And, uh, I hopped on that bike and I crashed probably a hundred times, but I made it back to the house <laughs> and I absolutely loved riding bikes from like five years old on. So when I started, um, you know, cycling seriously, a friend of mine actually uh, was a professional cyclist and she's, you know, we went out on a couple of rides and she said, I think you should start racing. Um, and I found a team, a local team, and I started racing with them and I absolutely sucked <laughs> really bad at competition. Um, so, but I really got into, uh, to, you know, riding with friends and I had a really good group of friends. Um, and we would go out quite regularly for rides together. And, uh, the last ride that I went on, um, I noticed, uh, and this was before my diagnosis, I noticed, um, you know, when I was looking, checking to see if there was a car, I looked to my left and I just started veering to the right off the road, which had never, ever happened to me before. Um, and it's a very dangerous thing, especially when you're riding with a group and you're kind of like, you know, everyone rides really close. And if you make one mistake, yeah. you know, you can I'll, take I'll out... Exactly. Mm. So I, you know, when I told my neurologist, he said, I'm really sorry, but you, you can't go out. Um, mm. You can't go out on the road anymore. Um, and at the time I got really wrapped up in being so sad about that, that I didn't even consider the possibility that I could adapt that, that I could get a recumbent trike that would be much safer mm. and, and still, potentially and still get that that fitness and still be able to go out. Yeah. Yeah. And it really took me until probably just last year. I didn't even think of that as a possibility. So now, you know, I'm looking into recumbent trikes and potentially getting back out. Um, Some of them recumbent trikes are really cool. I know. Yeah. (laughs) I want want one with like hydraulics and a little, you know, (laughs) little motor on it. (laughs) <laughs> that'll be awesome yeah definitely i've seen i've seen a few of them about and a few guys on instagram using you get some off-road ones for trails as well so that'll be cool yeah oh, yeah yeah so yeah that um that those are kind of like some of the ways that i've adapted um as far as like the the actual strength training and stuff like that um you know i got i actually got i was I I wouldn't say that I was heavily into CrossFit in 2007, 2008, but I I went to a CrossFit gym and 
in Oakland. Um, uh, and actually before I, before I signed up for CrossFit, I was like, cause I had a lot of clients who were asking me about it. And I was, I was always the type of trainer to say, well, let me check it out and see what I think, whether it was diet related or an exercise fad or something like that. I always wanted to like check it out. So I found a CrossFit coach and I trained with him privately for a couple months um, before going into the group environment. Cause I had never, I had deadlifted and I'd done stuff like that, but I'd never attempted any snatches or anything. Yeah, you know, I think like going that. from like training in a standard gym to CrossFit, <laughs> you see people, oh, I, don't try, I don't coach at a CrossFit gym, but I coach at a strength and conditioning gym, which is uh, pretty, pretty similar to, uh, to CrossFit. And uh, yeah, as soon as you go, right, okay, we're going to do a squat snatch, guys, and they're like, what's a yeah. squat snatch? <laughs> Let yeah. me show you. And then you see their faces. Like, right, okay, guys, let's break this down. Let's make this simple. We're not going to expect you to do a crazy... Uh, crazy movement like this without any without any practice well my first session with this private uh crossfit coach i waltzed in there and i think at the time i was probably i don't know i'm like five barely five five and the and you know 108 110 pounds and i you know i waltzed in there never having done you know a heavy back squat like nothing like that and i said I want to go to the CrossFit games next year. And he was like, he looked at me and he just laughed hysterically. <laughs> and I was like, why are you laughing at me? You know? And he was like, you know, cause it takes years and years and years to build that, those skills. But obviously I never made it to the CrossFit games. Um, but I did, um, I did, you know, have a lot of fun and, um, I think my max deadlift was 312 pounds and um, all of that stuff. I pretty much have had to stop uh, doing to a certain extent, just because um, unfortunately my, my spine is a complete disaster. So (laughs) all of my discs are, you know, herniated and degenerating and I've got all kinds of issues. So the really, really heavy stuff, um, I can't do anymore. No, unfortunately, no. So um, I don't even have a barbell in my in my gym here at my house. I've just got you know dumbbells and stuff like that. And um, you know, on days where I'm not feeling so stable, you know, I make sure that everything that I do you know, I've got, I've got something I can grab onto if I lose my balance. Um, my workouts, uh, are a lot shorter than I'm used to because I just don't have, um, the reserves, my muscles fatigue really, really quickly. I mean, I don't, I don't really even have to work that hard until I feel, you know, all of my muscles burning. Mm -hmm. Um, so I've had to adapt my, my training around that quite a bit. And, you know, recovery, it takes a very long time. So um, I basically, uh, where I may have been, you know, used to working out six days a week, um, I may work out today and not be able to work out for another couple of days and just have to do kind of like recovery stuff. Yeah, but you um, but you are able to do even even if it is like active recovery as you say, whether it's mm-hmm. like a, a walk or a cycle yeah. or something like that, you're still able to yeah. 
to do something. And I think that's the most important yeah. thing, especially for someone like yourself that's... Uh, I, I don't like to use the term... Obs- I normally get it. People say, oh, you're obsessed with fitness. <laughs> you're a fitness junkie. I'm like, how's that a bad thing? You're making it sound bad. Uh, but yeah, for someone like us that love training and it's our passion, yeah. and then just so it happens to be our career as well, to... To even like hurt like I remember I, I cut my finger once and I thought oh damn it I've cut my finger but then the fact you can't train and do certain <laughs> things like god damn it I just want to lift this heavy weight but I keep hurting myself um yeah, yeah. It's, it's very tedious and I can imagine even even more so for yourself um and how have you, how have you yeah. coped with that mentally like obviously going from someone that's super active like out all the mm-hmm. time running cycling lifting heavy weights to obviously having to give up the heavy weights right. and, and not go out on your trails how have you coped with that in yourself um well you know it's interesting because um i you know 2018 i got my diagnosis 2019 uh, my mom was diagnosed with cancer and she actually passed oh, um in yeah it was uh d- and then in 2020 the pandemic happened so 2018, 2019, 2020 uh, were really, really, really rough. Tough years. Very rough. Mm. And, um, you know, uh, it's, it's interesting because, you know, I, uh, I definitely hit some, some really rough patches emotionally. Um, and in my mind, you know, I just have to keep telling myself, you just have to get up. You have to get up. You have to move because, you know, movement for me, exercise, just being active, not even, you know, um, I used to always tell my clients, you know, I don't even, you don't have to call it exercise. What I want you to do is I want you to move with intention every single day. You know, you're not just passively going out on a walk you have to recognize that that walk is you know not to sound like dramatic but is saving your life yeah yeah it's it's, it's, it's something you're doing now to benefit you in the future exactly and and even if that future is in 10 minutes right because i mean you know getting a getting a diagnosis knowing that um you know, because I'm, I'm well aware of the fact that within five years, I, I could be in a wheelchair. Like the, the neurologist that I first saw was like, yeah, you know, worst case scenario, you're in a wheelchair and you're unable to swallow. And he said it so like, (laughs) you know, just like (laughs) unable to swallow. Oh, who needs to swallow? I don't need to swallow. Do you need to like, what you know like um when you when you hear something like that especially when you know i had a chiropractor one time when i was um injured say um what are your hobbies that don't include exercise and i was like none i have not everything i you know everything i love to do everything i that has brought me like joy is involves, you know, some form of intense exercise or movement of some sort that is, you know, pushing me beyond my, my comfort Mm. zone. That's like what has, you know, that's like my, my mental health, uh, remedy. That's kind of what I do. So, 
I did after my diagnosis, you know, I, I've gone through stages where it's like, you know, I got super, super down, um, especially uh, when my mom passed, you know, and like, there is that temptation to just throw your hands up, you know, and kind of give up because there's just so much heaviness, you know, it's like, this diagnosis, my mom passing, pandemic, fires, all this stuff. Um, but I really, truly, 100% know that no matter what, I just have to keep moving. If I, if I don't keep, if I don't, you know, it's like, uh, it's going to get me. Yeah. Like that five years could be two. Exactly. If you, if yeah. you don't do something about it. Right. So that's what motivates me is, you know, because uh, there's also, you know, there's also the heaviness of not wanting to be a burden. And I don't know if you have had kind of these conversations with your clients. Yeah. But, you know, it's like the idea of especially being a really independent person. Uh, who is, you know, I've always been able to contribute. Um, and the idea of a not contributing financially, b getting to a point where, you know, my wife may have to bathe me, you know, like, um, that is hard to wrap, mm. wrap my head around. And um, um, have, you, have you had that conversation with her? And how was she yeah. sort of... Uh... I'm assuming, I'm assuming she uh, said she's fine with whatever happens either way. <laughs> yeah, she, um, you know, it's, it, uh, yeah, having a supportive spouse. I mean, she's, she's on all the, you know, uh, support groups on Facebook, you know, the caregiver support groups have been amazing. She's constantly getting feedback from people. Um, and, um, she just, yeah, she's just, she's, in, she's a, she's my rock. She's incredibly amazing and, and strong and, you know, has, is always reassuring me, you know, you could never be a burden, you know, cause I do sometimes go down that path where I'm like, I hate this. <laughs> this is just terrible, you know? And I have, you know, I usually give myself like 24 hours and then I'm like, okay, you know, back to work. You you just gotta you just gotta just keep right keep on it off as a, as a few negative thoughts and then just get back on the horse and yeah. And that's um in the you know in the in the uh, in our community and society in general. There's this term like toxic positivity, um, where you know it's like we have to be able to you know be honest and say today really sucks. And I really hate having this. Um, I will always look for the silver lining and I will always make the best of my situation. But there are days where it is overwhelming and we have to be able to admit that and, and be vocal about it without um, people being uncomfortable. Because a lot of times, you know, people will say, how are you? And if I'm honest, if I'm having a really, really bad day, um, you know, 
oftentimes people don't want to hear that. They want to hear, oh, I'm okay. Mm. You know, because it makes them um, uncomfortable uh, to know that somebody that they care about is suffering. Yeah. And they're not able to do right. anything about it. Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, in our community, I, I feel like a lot of times, and, and you see it a lot on, you know, Instagram, where there's the, you know, there's this expectation to post this kind of like rosy facade, like, look mm. at me, I'm so strong. And I'm, you know, but it's like, there's a balance, right? We all yeah. have really, really, you know, bad days. And we need to be able to be honest about that. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, um, for me, you'll know when I'm having a bad day or a bad couple of days because you won't see anything online. I'll just go a little bit yeah. quiet for a few days <laughs> and it'll be, I won't be doing any stories. I'll just be sort of wallowing. But I think that's the important thing. And I'll, I'll always turn back to this uh, this phrase, we can't control what happens to us, but we can control how we react to it. Um, mm -hmm. And that's the thing. And, yeah. and, I, and I think if you was to sort of go, you know what, I'm going to give up and you sat in the corner and you just moaned and you was grumpy all the time. And that's what's really going to be um, a burden to to everyone else but having mm -hmm. this positive attitude like you've got where you're you're driven you're like no I'm not gonna let this beat me I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna keep going I'm gonna keep fighting I'm gonna keep positive I'm gonna you know and, and exactly what you've done yeah. with Instagram you know you've created a page solely to raise awareness around what you're going through and and I think a lot of mm -hmm. people are going to find uh, comfort in that and support in that um so have you have you yourself have you made a lot of connections through Instagram since you've since you've been um being a bit more of an advocate behind uh cerebellar ataxia yeah um you know there's i have uh i have friends on on instagram i used to be on facebook but that was like emotionally way too much so i just kind of like I, dumped I, I think, the facebook. I, think I think instagram's a lot better i think it's sort of growing as a platform um i found facebook mm -hmm. yeah as you just said it's a bit um worries me whereas instagram's a little <laughs> bit a little bit different yeah. it's, it's a lot more supportive and it can be real niche to what you want it to be like you know mm -hmm. my, my, I've got two Instagram pages I've got my PT S&C one-to-one type stuff and then I've got my um, alt movement and they are very mm -hmm. specific to them them niches yeah. and, and what it's about and I'm only really seeing positivity and whereas Facebook I can you find a lot of negativity I think yeah 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 I I feel like that's true but you know um I have, I feel like there's, there is so much support out there and, you know, regardless of uh, religious or political beliefs, you know, um, we as a community are more and more just kind of like supporting each other. And, you know, um, I, I feel really encouraged by that. Yeah. So how, how important is it to you to, um, to make people more aware of ataxia? You know, it is, it is really important because the more people that are aware, the more chance for us to, to um, get research done, you know, for mm. funding for research and things like that, because um, there, you know, there just hasn't been that much. Um, yeah. It's, and, I mean, it's, excuse the uh, sort of, uh, the term but it's not a popular it's not a popular yeah condition or anything like it's not cancer right. where cancers gets a lot of the the limelight and stuff like that right. and uh, the funding the charity work and stuff whereas uh yeah i mean for, for me a taxi is only something i've really sort of uh 
recently sort of been looking into um i've got a client yeah. who has it as well so um that's something i've become extremely sort of uh, dedicated to find out as much as i can about yeah yeah it's um yeah so uh you know raising awareness around it um i also participate in uh research studies um you know uh i'm gonna be participating in in a study starting in September where I meet with a team at uh, UC San Francisco for once a year for five years just to kind of like track track progress and stuff like that Mm -hmm. Um, so that maybe they can kind of like you know figure out you know more about you know how we can um potentially find ways to slow it down you know i mean yeah. it would be amazing if they could find a cure but uh everything i've heard is that that isn't even an option or possibility for you know at least another 20 years and mm. because it's a neurodegenerative disease you know um if they can find something that'll stop it in its tracks it can't reverse anything you know, so like, for instance, for my dad, if they if they found something that could stop it in his tracks, his speech would never improve. You know, his balance wouldn't improve, but it wouldn't. You it know. wouldn't get worse. Yeah. But I mean, so. I, I think you've almost found something that is slowing it down with what you're doing with training. Yeah. Like that yeah. is going to ultimately the stronger you are, not just mindset, but in yourself, that's that's going to that's going to have a huge impact on how quickly something like that would progress. Yeah. Yeah. And I think diet, you know, um, I try not to, uh, not to get too much in the diet aspect of things with people just because over the years, you know, my, my business name was, you know, fitness and nutrition. And I was, uh, I got a nutrition, uh, consultant, um, degree from a college in Santa Cruz. And then I got, I don't know if you're familiar with precision nutrition. Yep. Um, I got certified with them when they were very like in 2008, maybe 2009. Um, I actually met John Berardi at a uh, thing called the meeting of the minds in San Diego and was sitting next to Paul check. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Way back. You know, who Paul check is. No, go on. So Paul Check, uh, I mean, if you you Google him, he's like, uh, I don't know, he's like the grandfather of uh, integrative functional movement. You know, I don't know where he is now. I mean, he's kind of fallen off. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. I've, I've just Googled him. I recognize him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. So, um, you know, um, over the years, I was really interested in focusing on talking about nutrition with people. And then I got so sick of it that I was mm-hmm. just like, this is like not my thing. But in terms of, you know, uh, dealing with the, my symptoms, I know that, you know, there are things that I do that, that help um, by keeping my nutrition you know, even, even just like making sure I'm eating enough, you know, cause a lot of times I don't have much of an appetite mm. 
And if I go a couple days where I just really don't feel like eating that much, I mean, you know, the pain, the muscle aches and the burns and the fatigue and stuff mm. obviously is going to be worse because so, you're not, not recovering properly and also uh, right. you're just you're just low in energy because you've not eaten exactly mm. so yeah so um yeah i mean what what message would you have for anyone else in a similar situation to you um yeah i mean what would you tell them what would you tell them in regards to how they should potentially cope with it, how they should mm. adapt their training, what they should do in order to it, it, like maybe support networks. Where could they find support networks? Right. Um, I think the most important thing is, you know, to, to obviously educate yourself, you know, do your research and understand what you are dealing with um, instead of kind of like being passive you know, like being, being uh, active in, um, you know, the research and understanding and also reach out to the support groups, you know, and, and um, make those connections with people so you don't feel so alone because it, it can be a really lonely thing and, it's very easy to slip into the, you know, why is this happening to me? And, you know, um, feeling isolated. So, you know, pushing yourself to reach out and, and make those connections, I think is really helpful. Um, and, you know, just the worst places for me are the past and the future. Those places are very dangerous for me because in the past, you know, uh, it was, you know, of course, because your mind has this way of playing tricks on you. In the past, I was like a superhero, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I could do anything. Nothing ever hurt. And I could run a marathon and go to a dinner party and do it, you know, and it's like, okay, that's, that's potentially mostly true. But, you know, um, I have, a, you know, the tendency to kind of like, obsess on what you used to be able to do or how you used to living in the glory look. days yeah totally um and then the future is just as dangerous for me because when i like time travel it's like i'm not going to be able to swallow like what the hell am i going to do if i can't swallow um so you know really just trying to you know, wake up every day and be like, okay, this is where I'm at. How do I feel today? And what am I capable of? Mm. Like you really live it, living in the moment. Absolutely. That's, you know, that's the only safe space for me is, mm. you know, right, right now. Yeah. I, so, completely, I completely agree. Yeah. yeah. That's a great, that's a great way, a, great, a really great way to put it, to be honest with you. Live in the moment Thank don't, and, and, and the dangerous places are either side of that. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, your story, uh, when obviously I come across your Instagram profile and uh, I watched that video, yeah, as I say, I watched it, I thought, oh my God, I've got to have this woman on, uh, <laughs> on my podcast. I've got, I've got to talk to her. Like, I just think she's so, uh, so motivated and, and really wants to help people and, uh, and show people that even if they're dealing with this, there is, there is solutions, there is options, there is support. 
um, mm -hmm. whether that be online, whether that be with your family, whether that be through just adapting your training and then um, and just not wallowing, not wallowing in self-pity, yeah. which that's something I don't think you've done. And, and you're allowed to have down days, as you yeah. said, have your down days, learn from them. And then when you're up in the morning, you know, try your best. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I'll, I think we should. Uh, I think we should leave it there. But <laughs> honestly, before honestly. I start, before I start rambling. No, uh, not at all. I, I mean, I could. I, I could talk for ages, and I'm sure you could as well. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, you've been amazing, and then yeah, and I, I, I'm going to continue following your journey and what you're doing, and and the people you're going to help along the way. And I think it's going to be absolutely awesome. Um, Amanda, you've been amazing. Yes. Thank, Thank you so you much so for joining much. me. It's. Uh, yeah. I, I really appreciate you. Uh, accepting my invitation <laughs> thank you thanks for having me i really appreciate it yeah Not everything you're doing i i really i really mm. appreciate it thank you not a problem at all amanda thank you so much and i'll um, speak to you soon all right thanks thank you cheers